Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Back to an old series. Uh, We're continuing our series on the one another's. So we started in the middle of the year. We, we, we said that we were going to look at every uh, one another in the New Testament. The one another's are this to the Christian body, to the church, how we are to act towards each other, with each other, how we are to grow, how we are supposed to be a community. Uh, this, this is the advice that the, the, the New Testament gives us. And so this morning, we're back into that series as we kind of, we've got about four or five more one another's to, to get through the, the whole lot. I, I want you to just think for a moment, if there's anyone in your life that, that kind of sticks out, maybe there's more than one, maybe there's a couple of people who, who have been instrumental in your life when it comes to encouraging you. Maybe, there, maybe it was a school teacher, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a colleague, maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a youth group leader that, that, that really shared some real words of encouragement and that was constantly there encouraging you. And actually they had an impact that, that actually kind of transformed or, or shifted the way you thought or maybe a new career or, or, or study. Um, have you experienced that? I'd love to just get a, a show of hands if you've had someone in your life who was just a constant encouragement that shifted and changed you. Okay, lots of hands. And I, and I, I agree. I've, I've had numerous people in my life that have done that, that have spoke words of encouragement into my life uh, that were profound. And actually, I, I could actually look and see if, if that person or that individual didn't speak that, my life may have gone down a different path or a different track. The power of encouragement, the power of words is very, very important. Psychologist Henry Goddard, he did a study and he was looking at uh, primary school children and the power of encouragement. And what he noticed was uh, that when, when primary school students are encouraged, there's actually a direct correlation with energy levels in children. It's kind of like when they drink Coke and eat chocolate. There's a direct correlation in energy levels. Or you give a a, a four-year-old an espresso, boom, they're full of energy. It's actually the same, and the the research he studies looked at, that when when they're encouraged, straight after that, there's this kind of endorphin hit or this, this energy level from that encouragement. And the same is, that the opposite actually, is if the, a, car, a child is discouraged or, or criticised, there's actually a, a dropping in or immediate decline in energy levels from that discouragement or from that criticism. The power of encouragement. I was reading a story about a former USA a warship commander, Mike Abrushoff. Now, Abrushoff was a commander of a, a warship, big old warship. I don't know how many sailors he was in command of, thousands of sailors. And uh, he, he was credited with increasing the retention rates in the Navy on, on his warship. So some of the sailors, obviously, they have a set amount of time. They have to be a sailor for five years or three years, and then they're allowed to leave. Um, and the retention rate across the Navy was a certain percentage. He increased that on his warship by an extra 30%. 
their attention. Not, nowhere, anywhere else in the Navy was as high as his warship. Now, the reason uh, he, he credits that, that high retention rate, was because of encouragement. He actually said that, that uh, I would encourage, I would encourage, and I would encourage. Now, the standard across the Navy was each commander for each warship was allowed to give 15 medals a year to their sailors. Now, um, Abrilshoff actually would give around 115 uh, medals or 115 awards each year. And this is what he says. There is absolutely no downside to this, in, this symbolic encouragement, provided it's done sincerely and without hype. The power of encouragement. Encouragement is like oxygen to the soul, isn't it? You know what it's like when you're encouraged, when you receive it. It's like, it's like that oxygen, it just kind of lifts you up, makes you feel better. And right here we've seen that it actually has a physical, there's a, something physically happens in you when you are encouraged. Mark Twain says, I can live for two months on a good compliment or a good piece of encouragement. John Maxwell, the leadership guru, says, never underestimate the power of an encouraging word. So not only about receiving encouragement, but giving encouragement. Never underestimate that word of encouragement that you give to someone. You do not know what impact that, that seed, that encouragement will have on that person. Proverbs 25, 11, the author says, the right word at the right time is like precious gold set in silver. And maybe you've experienced that yourself. Maybe you've been having a tough day or, or something wasn't going quite right and then someone rings or sends a text message or, or just a passing word and, and that person, that individual, doesn't realise how powerful that encouragement was. The power of encouragement. They've also done studies in regards to encouragement on marathon runners. Hands up if anyone's run a marathon. One, two, no, straight up, this is worth encouraging. One, two, three, four. Did you do a marathon? Oh, I said, it's, no, it's half a marathon. <laughs> Put your hand half up. So a few, good on that. Give everyone who's done a marathon a clap. And give Steve a clap for doing a half marathon. I don't want to discourage you, Steve, but you've got halfway to go, mate. <laughs> so, so they did some uh, research on the, uh, the power of encouragement for marathon runners. And there's this concept, and it's a real one, where you, when you're running a marathon, is there's aspects throughout the race where you, you can hit the wall. Certain places, uh, whether it's in the late 30Ks or even before that, in the 20s, where it, you just... You, you, it, actually, they, they found that your dorphin levels... Uh, no, not dolphin. Um, let me read what it is. A dopamine level, sorry. They drop. They actually drop dramatically. The brain drops with these dopamine levels and you hit the wall and there's, there's this physical reaction where you just don't want to continue. The drive to continue is like really, really hard and you've got to push to get through that, that hit, hitting the wall. And what they've actually done is what they call spectator strategy. I don't know if you've noticed, I actually do this through my sermons as well. A few people cheer out every now and then in, when I hit the wall. You'll notice that a little bit later. But they set up these spectator strategies along these bits where they would think they're going to hit the wall, where they have friends and family members 
or fans, and they're there literally just to cheer them on as they run past. You can do this. Keep running. You're strong. You're fast. You're almost there. And actually, what that, you wouldn't think it, but it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Again, the power of encouragement. Those words coming from friends and fans is enough, enough to, to push against the dopamine levels dropping and actually push them back up, hearing the cheers and the encouragement to continue and push through that, that hitting the wall barrier. The power of encouragement. Look what the Apostle Paul says uh, in uh, Ephesians 4.29. Now we know encouraging brothers and sisters, encouraging others is is something that we're commanded to do. Paul here, he doesn't use the word encouraging, but uh, this is what he's saying. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. So building others up sounds like encouragement to me, that, that we are to build others up with our words, not bring others down with our words or unwholesome talk, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not our needs, according to the person's needs that we're, we're trying to build up. Bring good words to them that it may benefit those who listen. Are we builders or are we wreckers? Listen to this poem. I didn't write it. I don't know who wrote it, um, but I did read it. This is this poem, Builder or Wrecker. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the sidewalk fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled as the men you hire as if they were to build. He gave a laugh and said, no indeed, just common labour is all I need. I can easily reckon a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. And I thought to myself as I went on my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my deeds to a well-made plan, patiently doing the best I can? Or am I a wrecker? who walks the town, content with the labour of tearing down. Are we wreckers or are we builders? Do we wreck with our words? Anyone can wreck with their words. It's easy. I don't know if you've seen, sometimes you see kids in the creation, one kid will build a nice block of blocks and one kid will come and just and, and laugh and the poor kid has spent all this time. It's easy to push down the blocks. It's easy to be a wrecker, but it's harder to be a builder. When we look at the word encouragement, we know what the word encouragement means, don't we? To build up, to lift up, to, to inspire. The English dictionary says it's to inspire courage or, or spirit or, or hope. The Greek uh, in the Bible, in the Greek New Testament, there's several words uh, that get translated into our English word encourage. Um, but again, it has a similar type meaning, to build up to come alongside, to inspire confidence, to give hope or courage, to give support. Uh, The Old Testament and the Hebrew word, again, very similar, probably a little bit different in that it has more to do with to strengthen, to to make strong, to give courage. So so the definition, I would say, of the word is encourage is to inspire courage, spirit or hope. And when we look at the word encourage, you'll see up on the, on the screen, it actually has another word in it, doesn't it? What's that word? 
courage. And when you encourage, you're actually imparting courage to people. So when we encourage, our words uh, are there and they actually inspire or give courage to the receiver. So when you encourage someone, you're giving them a chunk of courage to do this. You, you give them a chunk of courage. You're inspiring. You're handing them courage to, to whatever task or whatever they need to hear in that moment. It's not just a nice little statement. It's actually to give them courage. This picture up here on the screen is a, 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 a family photo of our friends. We went to the Gold Coast several years ago. As you can see, Josiah, he's, I don't know how old he is there, and the girls are quite young as well, and me, the, the tallest adult in the back there. Um, we, went to, we did surfing. This was in Coolangatta, um, and we all went surfing. We did surfing lessons, and we all had uh, sweats, uh, sweatsuits, wetsuits. Really hard to get off those things, especially when your body's covered in hair. But... Um, Anyway, we did the surfing lessons and there was a few instructors and, and I was a little bit worried about Josiah because I think he was only like five at that age and, and uh, they had big boards and beautiful sets of waves would come in at, at Coolangatta and, and I, was, I was on high shark alert, I was on tsunami alert, I was watching everything, man. I was like, my, my anxiety levels were through the roof. Like the, where, where Josiah was, the waves, I'm thinking, you know, he can swim, but this is standing on a board. The girls went off and did their thing. And uh, the two young ones had, had two instructors, so one each, basically. And this guy was brilliant. Now, I can remember when Josiah put on his wetsuit, he was trying to act tough and did the thing, and then he walked out, the massive board, but when he saw the waves coming in, I could see some fear crept in. Either that or he was looking at me. Um, uh, one of them caused some fear, and he was, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, and he went out, but this instructor was awesome. Put him up on the board, he's like, Josiah, you've got this, mate. He didn't know him. You've got this. You're strong. You've got a good centre of balance. You're going to kill those waves. You'll be able to stand up no ways. And, and you could see the, he, was, he was literally holding the board at the start and his words. He was alongside Josiah and he was giving, you could see the courage. This guy was a former um, surfing champion, shark killer. He, this guy, you know, he, he, he was unbelievable. He had one eye and a patch over it. No, he didn't. But he was just, and you could see his courage that he was giving to Josiah. And Josiah was just like, you know, eight foot tall. And literally within one or two goes, he was standing on that board and surfing off like big long sets. And all because this one instructor literally did the, the definition of encouragement. He came alongside and he imparted courage. Not to me, I was scared, but to Josiah. He could have taken any wave on because of that courage that was given because of the encouragement. And we see Jesus doing this as well. We see Jesus do this all the time through the New Testament, that he would give courage, that he would encourage. You remember the story, uh, the disciples and Jesus had been out all day ministering and uh, uh, Jesus puts the disciples in a boat and he basically says, you guys go out and I'll meet you on the other side. And Jesus then heads off to the mountain. I think it was not long after that, not long before that, John the Baptist had been uh, murdered. And, and so Jesus removes himself and he goes up to the mountainside to pray. 
puts the disciples in a boat and they head off. And, and we know the story of the disciples. Most of them are fishermen. They know the water really well. And they're out there and it's quite late, it's quite dark. And, and we read that there's a bit of a storm or there was some crashing of waves and, and, and it's raining and all this kind of stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, we, they, they see someone walking on the water, which is bound to freak you out. But they see someone walking on the water and it's Jesus. And they're in the boat the waves are crashing, the lightning, all this kind of stuff. They are scared. They think they've seen a ghost and it says they were scared. And look at the words of Jesus here in Matthew 14, 27. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, what does he say? Take courage. Take courage. Where do they take the courage from? It is I, from Jesus. He, he says, take courage. It is me. I give you the courage. Take courage. Don't be afraid. And we see Jesus, he would do this quite a lot. Do not be afraid. Take courage. And this is him encouraging them. And there's one guy on the boat that took that courage, and his name was Peter. And what did he do with that courage? He gets out of the boat. That's how much courage he took from Jesus. It takes a lot of courage to get out of the boat unless you're swimming. And so Peter is encouraged. He takes the courage from Jesus. He gets out of the boat. We know the story. It's a great story. And he starts to walk on water. And he's walking towards Jesus. He has that courage. He's taking the courage because he has been encouraged. We know the rest of the story. He sees the waves, the crashing, the lightning, all that kind of stuff. He freaks out. He starts to sing, Jesus, help me. And Jesus grabs him and then you have little faith. We know the, the end of the story. We know how it goes for, for Peter. But the point is this. Jesus' first response is to take courage. His first response is, here, take the courage. I encourage. I give you courage. And Peter responds. And so this morning, I want us to just quickly look at some one another's. There's three encourage one another passages in the New Testament. Three encourage one another's in the New Testament. Let's have a look at them here up on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in the fact that you are doing. And then Hebrews, we see, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, when we... These are, the, these are the three encourage one another passages in the New Testament. There is another one in Ephesians uh, that talks about uh, encouraging one another in the context of sin. Encouraging one another not to sin. Encouraging one another to, to be vigilant against sin, to, to push against sin, to not fall in the trap of sin. And these three one another's, or these three encourage one another's, also have a specific context Surrounding them. For most of the this start of this sermon, I've talked about encouragement in the general sense. And as Christians, we are to do that. Encourage, to come alongside, to impart courage, to build each other up. But actually, these three passages have a very particular context around them when it comes to encouraging. 
So let's have a look at it. The first one is First Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to read there from verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and this is what he writes. Now let me quickly, quick little snapshot of the, the church in uh, Thessalonia. Uh, they have an issue. They've become Christians, and, and some of them are actually just waiting for Jesus to come back. Actually, a large number of them are like, Jesus is going to return. We don't need to stress about working. We, and Paul's like, no, you need to still be in the world, but not of the world. There's things that you have to do. And some of them are actually concerned that well, some of our mates, family members, friends, have actually died. They've become Christians, but now they're dead. And, and, and will they still go to heaven? If, when Jesus, well, what's going to happen? So this is kind of the context of or the issue that Paul is addressing. But I think it speaks to us today as well. Brothers and sisters, uh, this is what Paul says, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, so those who have passed away, who have died, or to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So Paul says, those who have already died, they're fine. They have hope. They, they will be risen when Jesus is risen. They will come back and they'll be fully restored and resurrected when Jesus comes back. You don't have to worry about it. So much so that when you look around and you see people who aren't Christians or people who haven't seen, uh, said yes to Jesus, when they grieve, when someone dies and when they mourn, when so they have no hope. I don't want you to be like that, he says. You should have a hope. You should know, you should be assured that actually um, we, we have something that will come beyond that. We will be resurrected. Your brother, sister, friend, whatever, they will be resurrected. So don't mourn like them. Yes, it's sad. Yes, we can grieve, but we hold on and are assured that, guess what? Jesus comes back and we will be resurrected. Then in verse 15, he says, well, actually, this is according to the Lord's own word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So actually, the ones that have fallen asleep will see Jesus before the ones that are still alive when he returns. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord forever. Now, th this, this, is, this is really important. When we look at this passage, uh, this is kind of the, an end times passage when Jesus returns. And we could get caught up in this and we could talk about the eschatological, different, the different views of how Jesus will return, the timeline, the, all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do that because I leave on the 30th of October and it will take a lot longer to get through all of that. Now, you may have a view or an opinion about it. It's often referred to as the rapture of the church, that, that the, the people who are dead will be risen first and then Christians who are still alive will be caught up to Jesus who, who is in the air. That may be your view. That's fine. The point of though that I want to make is, and the point that Paul is making, that Jesus will come back. 
Jesus will come back. There will be a time when Jesus returns. Whether you're dead or you're alive, it doesn't matter. The point is you need to be ready. You need to be expectant. You need to be waiting. Whether it's in the air or on the ground, it doesn't matter. The point is Jesus will return. Jesus will come back. Do we believe that? That's, that's, they, they thought he was coming then. We, we've forgotten that. And I think it's, it's, it'd be almost naive to, to forget it right now. We're, when we turn on our TVs and we read and we hear and we see everything that's going on, if this does, that doesn't awaken us, then I don't know what will. There will be a time when Jesus returns physically. And that should bring hope and joy, not fear and trembling, and celebration that Jesus returns. And so this is the context of this encouragement statement. Because then look what Paul says. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. And it's therefore because everything that's gone before it. So he said all this stuff and he says, because of this, because of this, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another with the things that I've just said. It doesn't matter. We will have struggles in life. We will have problems in life. We will have pain and grief. And it's not to say that those things won't be hard. It's not to diminish those things. It's not to say that those things don't suck and are painful. Yes, they are. But we hold on to the hope knowing we're assured that Jesus will return. And all those things will be washed and and wiped away. We have that confidence. No one else can have that confidence. There's no other hope but Jesus. And we're to encourage each other with that hope, with these words. So that's the, the context of the first one. Then we look at the second Thessalonian passage. And again, we'll see it's all to do with Jesus returning. That we should have confidence. We need to encourage each other. Hey, have an eternal perspective in our life. Be encouraged, Jesus will return. That's what he's talking about here. We encourage people and remind people that Jesus will be coming back. And that should encourage us. That should give us courage to to do what we're doing. Here we read again in in chapter 5 this time. And says, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to write to you. So saying when it happens, we don't know. For you know very well the day, uh, that the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are, are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, what does it say, children? Brothers and sisters, that's good, are, are in darkness, so that this day should uh, surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, uh, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who drink or get drunk, get drunk at night. Not many good things happen at night. Um, and, but Paul is making a contrast here between dark and night or light and dark, between drunk and not drunk, between awake and asleep and and we're to be awake, we're not to be in the dark, we're into the light. He's saying all these things. Verse 8, 
But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Where have we read this before? Anyone? Ephesians, yeah. So, so here we see uh, Paul using the same language as Ephesians 6, the, the armor of God. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. This is so encouraging. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And then we see verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up just in the fact that you're doing. The context of these encourage one another passages, the, the, the bit that we encourage is that Jesus comes back. Jesus returns. Let's race over to Hebrews here. Hebrews chapter uh, 10 for the last one and get the full context and we'll see it's exactly the same. Uh, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but uh, he says the same thing. Uh, here we go. Therefore, uh, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near to God. We can draw near to God. It says, draw near to God with a sincere heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled uh, to cleanse us from uh, a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water, this is. Not Bribra Lake water, pure water. Look at verse 23. Let us hold unswavingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Who promised us this? Jesus. He is faithful. And then it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. Spurring one another on is, is, is the same concept as encouraging, giving courage uh, towards love and good deeds. Let us uh, not give up meeting together. Why should we not give up coming together, whether it be in churches or small groups? Because that is where we're encouraged. Because that is where we should be encouraged that Jesus is returning. That's where we should receive courage to live our lives in the way he's called us to live. Let us not give up meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as what? Read it together. The whole passage said, don't be asleep. It sounds like you're sleeping. As you see the day approaching. What is the context again? Jesus' return. Now, you might think, well, what is, how does that make encouraging any different? How does that make encouraging any different? Well, here's the point. This is the point right here. That we are to view life for an external, uh, eternal, sorry, eternal lens through eternity. Living with an eternity mindset. Living with eternity in our mind. View all of life through this lens. Like this lady here's picture, putting a contact lens on. That, that we should, our actions the way we speak, where we serve, the things we do with our money, the things where we spend our time should have an eternal lens that we're looking through. That's the first thing. Now, I don't know your situation today. I don't know what you're going through. And I don't want to minimise it. Maybe you're going through a horrible time. Maybe you've struggled. There's frustration. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's pain. Uh, Maybe there's relationship breakdown. 
Or, or maybe you don't have that and, and life is actually really good at the moment and that's okay. I don't want to diminish any of that thing. But the point of what Paul is saying, be encouraged and we encourage others because there is a time and place and point where Jesus will come back. So you're suffering now, not to minimise it, but your suffering now in light of that will be nothing. Your pain, your sickness, again, not to minimise it. Life is hard, life is tough. But in, in, in light of eternity, it will be nothing. Even your happiness, even your, uh, the things that you've achieved, let's celebrate them, they're good. But in light of eternity, they will be nothing. When Jesus returns, everything changes. And again, that's not to, for us to be fearful about. That's a celebration. That is great. That should keep us going. It should keep us moving and we're to encourage each other with that. Keep on going. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on giving. Keep on serving. I know it's tough, but keep on doing it because Jesus is going to come back one day. Hold on to that truth. Hold on to that fact that the gospel message should bring comfort and strength and peace, that it should impart courage. Did we see courage a few weeks ago with the, the falconers? They take their whole family to, to one of those M countries, Mozambique and Malawi. Which one is it? Is it Mozambique? Lucky, I was going to say Malawi. Man, it takes courage to do that. You have to look through an eternal lens to take your whole family to Africa. But why? They're living, why do they do it? Because they're living through that lens. They're making decisions through that lens. 2 Corinthians, it's not on the screen, but it says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Theologian Tom Wright writes this. He says this up here on the screen. He says, There will come a day when God will put all wrongs to rights, when all grief will turn to joy. Jesus will be central to that day, which will end with the unveiling of God's new world. There, those who have already died and those who are still alive will both alike be given renewed bodies, I hope I'm taller, to serve God joyfully, in this new creation. I don't know if you know this hymn, but it goes like this, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Does anyone know this hymn? Do you know the tune? Do you want me to do the tune? I don't know the tune. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. We need to understand this in our own lives before we can what? impart courage to others when we understand it when it's real in our own lives then we can encourage one another when we're living with an eternal uh through looking for an eternal lens then we can encourage one another with that same perspective how do you identify someone i don't know who said it uh, but they said how do you identify someone who needs to be encouraged does anyone know the answer is they're breathing if they're breathing, they need to be encouraged. If they're breathing, they need to be encouraged that the gospel is all we need. Life can be hard, life can suck, but we have Jesus. I want to end by telling you this one last story. 
Uh, it was a few years ago. We went and got fish and chips. Actually, it was more than a few years ago. I haven't had fish and chips since I had a heart attack. I really wish I could have fish and chips. Um, but anyway, if I start frothing from the mouth, it's because I want fish and chips. But we went and got fish and chips, and, and Siobhan went in, and I was sitting in the car. And I, for some reason, I, I don't know what, whether I left the lights on or the radio or whatever, but when she came back, it took a little while to do the fish and chips, and about 15 minutes, and, and when she comes back, I, I turn the car engine over to start it. Battery was flat. And so I'm like, what, what's going on? Batteries. Kids are screaming in the background. The car smells so nice because you've got the chips and, it's just, and the windows are all fogging up and people are thinking, what are they doing in there? But anyway, <laughs> a car wouldn't start up and the oh, kids are screaming, I'm hungry, Dad, can we have it? No, we will say grace. We will sit around the table. Duh, the car won't start. I'm like, what are we going to do? And it's just like Siobhan's blaming me and I'm blaming Siobhan and it was her fault. But... Um, <laughs> And I'm just thinking, who can I ring? And, and then uh, I think Siobhan did, I can't remember if it was. There was some other guy uh, who was walking around. He looked like a real man, not like me. Um, he had a ute, four-wheel drive ute, and he looked just real masculine. And uh, she asked him if he had some jumper leads, and yep, he did. Ooh, pulled him straight out of his uh, back pocket. No, went to his truck, and he got the jumper leads. And... Here I was in my little Corolla. That we had a little Corolla, and he hooks him up to his uh, four-wheel drive, and then I thought he was going to hook him up to me. Actually, um, he hooks him up to my car. He turns his engine on, or whatever. Anyway, I turn mine in. Boom! And starts running. The engine starts running. He's like, oh, "I'll just give it a few revs, mate, and we'll let it sit on there a little while." And we did that, and anyway, the engine got running, and hooked it up, and unhooked it, and thanked him. Gave him a piece of fish. No, I didn't give him a piece of fish. Uh, he went off and we went home and the car was running and, and um, it was fine. Kids were right. Had fish and chips. Um, I still didn't replace the battery. Probably should have done it. Happened about four times after that as well. <laughs> but it's interesting. It made me reflect on that a little bit with these things. Has anyone owned these? Anyone have a pair of jumper leads? They're quite handy, aren't they? Really handy. Um, and you can be a real good Samaritan when, when you use them. But I, I, I want us to view encouraging one another a bit like this. Because remember, to encourage means to come alongside and impart courage. To give a, poof, a hit of courage. You can do this. You can parent. You can tell people about Jesus. You can get through this day. You can read your Bible. You can be the best accountant at work. You, you, boom, give them that hit of encouragement. And so when you hook up uh, your jumper leads, there's one car that has a what? A full battery. There's another car that's what? Empty. And so when, when we encourage one another, we, we the, if we're the ones that are encouraging, are like the car with the full battery. We come along and we hook up to the car that is Battery's running pretty low. You know, you know what was crazy is we, we drove for, for ages from that one bit of that guy hooking us up to his battery. That kept us going for a while, didn't it, Siobhan? I think we only just replaced the battery. Um, it was crazy. It's the same with encouragement. When we take the time to hook up to someone who is depleted, 
who is struggling, who needs to be encouraged in the Lord, who needs to be reminded that Jesus has this, that Jesus got, that's exactly what it's like. Take courage. Take courage. May we be like jump elites. May we be like that guy who comes along and just gives us that hit, that bit of encouragement to keep on going, to keep pursuing the things of the gospel. Amen. How about we bow and pray? And actually, if you need some encouragement uh, today, and and I just want to pray for you particularly, and again, I don't know your situation or your uh, circumstances, God knows, but I want to just pray for you. And if you need that extra hit today, jump a lead hit, just raise your hand nice and high so I can pray for you. Thank you. Put your hands up. Don't be afraid. Nothing wrong with admitting, like me, that you're not as masculine as the guy for the jumper leads. Praise God. Lots of hands. Let me pray for them first. Father, I thank you for every person who's put their hand up. Lord, may you, through your spirit, uh, encourage these individuals, Lord. May they receive a hit of your power, a hit of your peace, a hit of your um, strength, Father. You know their situation. You know their circumstances, Lord. May you uh, give them that courage. May they remember the words of Jesus, take courage, it is I. Be with them today, Lord. May you also surround them with people who can come along and, and encourage them in whatever situation they're facing. We ask this in your name. Father, we pray for the rest of us. We pray for us as a church that we would be a church that encourages one another in a general sense, that we would spur each other on, that we would impart courage to each other in all things. But Lord, in particular, in the things of God, that we would have the courage, because we're encouraging each other, to to step out in faith, to share the gospel, to pray for someone, to start up a Bible study, to volunteer in life, life group. To do all those things, Father, help us be encouragers in you. I just want us to keep our eyes closed a little bit more because I want the Holy Spirit now is going to lay someone on your heart. Not that I'm telling God what to do, but, but, but maybe the Spirit will lay someone on your heart today that he wants you to encourage. Just keep your eyes closed and And I'm praying that God will just give you a face or a name. Father, you've revealed to us today, different people, faces that you want us to encourage. May we have the courage to do that, to just go up and say, you've got this. May you uh, give us the courage to do that, Father. Again, we thank you. We praise you. And it's in his name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.